New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. Uh, I just want to introduce our speaker this morning, Jonathan Welton. As you know, Jonathan and Karen and Hannah are part of the family here. Jonathan also runs the Supernatural Bible School that I know many go to here and that many uh, are in tune with. Um, but uh, Jonathan has a really unique teaching gift. He has a Ph.D. in theology. Uh, he has a, just a great way of communicating pretty complex truths. So let's welcome him this morning. Come on up and give him a round of applause. Good morning. It is good to be back with you guys. We, as you know, we travel a lot. We just got back from uh, Reading. We were at the Bethel Leaders Advance, which was just wonderful. And, and uh, then we went down to L.A. and we were meeting with a smaller group of leaders and had a great time there. And it's just really encouraging to hear what is going on around the world. I was trying to think of some testimonies of the things that we heard, but they came so so fast and furious in the last week and a half that it's it's kind of overwhelming. But uh, you know, one of the people we we got to see, um, you know, it, it it's it reminds us because most often when we get up and we do our Tuesday night class here. You know, there's a small group of us. It's a lot of the leadership here at the church, and we film these classes, and they go out. And you know, most of us we kind of live in you know awareness of what's right in front of us, and so it's very easy for me to forget what we're doing, you know, on a larger scale. And so I'll come, and you know, on a Tuesday night, maybe there's a snowstorm. I remember this past January, there were nights. It seemed like every Tuesday was the worst weather of the week. And there were certain nights that we'd have literally like seven people here. It's like Howard's running sound and Beth is helping out with the lighting and sound and, and uh, Matt's running the camera and Ralph is sitting in his chair. And, and it was just the bare bones a couple of those nights because it was so rough. But it's going out and we have, we have uh, 760 students in the school. And it's very easy to forget, you know, where all it's going out to. We got to meet a pastor from Dubai who uh, had come over and he said um, one of the pastors on his staff went through the school last year. He was raised in the priest class of, uh, as a Hindu. And he was raised in the priest class, which is very scholarly, very studied. They do a lot of research and that he had gotten saved, he had come into the church, and they had put him into leadership, and that he took the Welton Academy Supernatural Bible School last year, and the senior pastor of this church, who's about 29, was saying, <laughs> it's a different world, he was saying that, that he's never seen such a transformation of anybody in his church before to watch this one year of school that this, this associate pastor went through, and he said, I, I want to go through. I want to take my leadership team through. Uh, two, he said, two years ago, their church had 150 people, and now they have 800 people. And in Dubai, he said, you know, it's, it's illegal to be Christian. It's, in the area, it's not a safe place to be, except it's sort of the Switzerland of the Middle East. And so they, they hold a lot of neutrality. They try not to be as rough as some of the other Muslim countries 
but he has this church of 800 in the last two years that's exploded and it's one of the largest churches in that region now and so we forget you know some of the things we've been hearing about it's been a while i just want to tell you a couple really exciting things because it's been a while since i've been up here on a sunday morning we just found out that the um like the number one pop star in this country over in in southeast asia is in our school and we didn't even know like you know people don't identify themselves when they take the school they just sort of sign up quietly and they sneak in and they start taking the school and then later we find out and we're like what are you talking about you're saying this this level this is uh you know this is really amazing the impact that's going on and so I share that with you because this is our shared uh, excitement. This is our shared victory here. This is, this is new hope as well as Welton Academy. We do this together, and we're in partnership. And so I just, I'm so excited. As I think of some more stories, I'll, I'll try to share them. But there's just some tremendous stuff going on right now, and uh, I'm really excited about that. So uh, I, shared, I shared something similar to what I'm going to share this morning uh, as the first class of this fall. We just finished a semester, we just filmed it, and uh, the first class I did is called Planet Love versus Planet Fear. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It kind of sounds like a movie title, so <laughs> Planet Fear. So we're going to talk about this concept, and I had realized that for years we have heard uh, this brilliant concept laid out from Pastor Bill Johnson that the model that we follow is heaven. When you look at the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven, well, in heaven there's no sick people. In heaven there's no demonized people. In heaven there's freedom, there's love, there's no control, there's, there's health, there's restoration, there's restored lives and marriages and families. So if that's the model, heaven is the model, then it should be on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to be praying. That's what we're believing toward. And that's a really excellent picture. But for many of us, we have an underdeveloped concept of what heaven is like. And if you have an underdeveloped concept of what heaven is like, and it's supposed to be on earth as it is in heaven, but your picture of heaven is marshmallow clouds and babies with arrows and bows you're like, I don't really get it. You know, it doesn't connect. And it's, it really, you end up with the difference between kingdom thinking and church thinking. And church thinking is on earth as it is in church. (laughs) So this is how it is in church. This is how it should be everywhere. This is what we're going to try to do to society. This is what we're going to try and do to the business world. This is what we're going to try and do to everybody else is on earth as it is in church. And that's Christian thinking. And when you don't have an understanding of what heaven is like, you're bringing the wrong thing into the earth. And, and the unfortunate thing, too, is then our, our world is influenced by church, but where's our church influenced by? The mothership, right? The denomination, whatever, whatever it's flowing down from, rather than heaven being the model that's actually influencing And the church just simply being a gathering place, a connection place, where we're all being influenced by that model, and then it goes out. So today, what I'm going to share with you, and I have my two little globes here. We have our 
This is our, our old school brown one with no color. And over here, it's a little bit smaller. I wish it was bigger for you, but this is the full color version. And so this is going to represent planet fear. This will represent planet love. So we have two planets in play. The picture here, now I'm, I'm drawing an illustration. You can't find planet love and planet fear in the Bible. But the concept here is this is planet earth or planet fear. This is planet love, which is if you think of heaven as a planet, that's what we're going to do today, okay? We're not getting into some weird Mormon eschatology or saying that, you know, there's a planet or whatever. I'm just saying this is an illustration. I'm covering my bases, all right? You with me? So we have here in First uh, John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It's just that main point right there, perfect love drives out or casts out fear. Okay, so you, these two cannot coexist. They cannot coexist. They don't play nice with each other. Love and fear are not friends. So with this, with this concept, <clears throat> I want us to think about it this way. Each of these planets has an atmosphere. In heaven, the atmosphere that you literally experience and breathe and taste and smell is love. It's flowing directly from the heart of the Father into the whole atmosphere of his realm. In his realm, and everything is healed, and people are free, and demons are gone, and hearts are healed, and memories are healed, and lives are put back together. This is the atmosphere of heaven, of planet love. Then down here we have planet fear. The atmosphere of earth, the literal atmosphere, is fear. Now we could say other things. People might say, well, what about arrogance? What about greed? What about lust? What about... And you could create a list, and yet at the core of this is this insecurity that comes from a lack of knowing who we are. It comes into the garden when, when the serpent says, if you do this, then you'll be like God. And when Eve is called to account later for eating of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, she says, and this is from the Young's literal translation, she says, I forgot and I ate. She forgot. Not that she was deceived, because that's how it's translated in some of the other versions, she wasn't deceived. She forgot. What did she forget? That she was already like God. She's already made in his image and his likeness, and yet the temptation comes and says, if you do, then you'll be. It's performance. If you do this, then you'll be like God. With that concept comes in this insecurity, this performance, this lack of knowing who you really are that brings a fear into the atmosphere of planet Earth. Adam and Eve were given the authority over the Earth as the gatekeepers, and they allow in the atmosphere of fear. And it takes over the environment. 
And now there's fear. Now the animals aren't dwelling in peace with mankind. Now everything is disturbed. Everything changes. Men and women have contention with each other. There's fear. There's, there's anxiety. There's attack. There's arrogance. There's the Tower of Babel happens. Not that much later. Like, we're going to rise up and do this. Everything comes into the atmosphere, but it comes in through that initial insecurity. And the fear enters the atmosphere. So we have these two planets. Now, here's the thing, though. Paul refers to us, believers, as ambassadors. That's a really interesting term to use. We use the term missionary. We use the term evangelist. We, we use these terms which typically in our mind, in our thinking, it's, it's drawing someone from the world into the church. But ambassador is from one country or nation or world to another. Not just from non-Christian to Christian, but from another, a whole citizenry of one nation to citizenry of another. Uh, Paul says it in Philippians 3, he says that we are citizens of heaven. You're a citizen of planet love. But you've been sent... As a stranger, as a pilgrim, as a vagabond, as a, uh, a sojourner, you've been sent as an ambassador to planet fear. You're, you're born as a human being on planet fear. You're born into Adam. So you start here. But at some point, you're born again. And now you're a citizen of this. And you're born again from planet love. You're born into Christ from planet love. And then you're sent back here as an ambassador. As you're sent, you, you're aware of everything you come from, that this is your world. This is your real world. You don't just simply disseminate into planet fear and become like planet fear. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, what TV shows you watch and what radio station you listen to and, and little-minded things like that. That's, that's Christian versus church. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying you don't disseminate into this by breathing the atmosphere of fear and becoming a part of this fear culture. You maintain the culture you come from. That's why when we send ambassadors over, we give them a little plot of land called an embassy. And inside the fence of that embassy, they are governed by the rules of planet love. That's where they're from. This is their embassy. This is inside the fence. This is how things operate. And when you come inside that fence, you're on a sovereign nation. You're on another person's soil, even though it's inside your own country. So we have embassies all over planet fear. It's kind of like uh, changing the concept that, that we're all ambassadors, and yet when we come to church together in a community we have this huge dome, and this dome over our community together then is, is an atmosphere of planet love. And you don't leave the dome here. 
when you leave, you're like John Travolta. You got the boy in the bubble thing going on. (laughs) And now you're going out by yourself. You don't leave the dome behind and go, yeah, I got to go hide at church once a week and and breathe some air. No, you, you take your bubble with you when you leave and you get to carry your own little atmosphere everywhere you go. The thing is, though, love drives out fear. So when you come from that planet to this planet, you're not just here to hold an embassy so that people can come to your dome. But you go out, and we're actually, what we're working on doing, this is, this is the end game. If you want to get your eschatology straight, this is what we're doing. We're planning on taking planet fear and turning the atmosphere into planet love. We're detoxifying this planet of fear. We're going through a full planetary cleanse of fear. That's what we're working on right now. Because right now, we're still stuck with this fear stuff. But Jesus comes down. He wins the victory. Christ is victor. He does all this stuff to win back for us authority. Gives it back to us sends us as ambassadors of love, tells us perfect love casts out, it drives out fear. So if we're working in perfect love, it's just a matter of time and expansion and growth that the perfect love is going to win. Unless you have a bad understanding, then perfect love is going to lose. But love never fails. So you should read 1 Corinthians 13 more than just at a wedding. It's... it's, It's a good verse. Love never fails. So we're not going to fail at this, which means love is going to win, which means perfect love is going to take over, and it will drive out the atmosphere of fear from this planet. Some of us may have a really hard time seeing that, though. And I think part of what causes that is, is we can... All right, let me add another picture. And I wish I had a big thing to demonstrate it, but you guys remember there was some movie called uh, Medal of Honor, I think it was, Cuba Gooding Jr. He's a, a deep-sea diver. But it's at the time period where you wear the big brass helmet and the big canvas thing, and you kind of clunk along underwater. And so he has this big spacesuit on underwater. Well, <clears throat> you guys have that. See, when you're sent down here to planet fear, you don't just come down here and breathe this atmosphere. The picture that I get for it is like you have this air hose that goes back to planet love. And the air hose goes down and hooks to the back of your head. And it's connected to you in your suit down here. And you are breathing the atmosphere of planet love even though you're on planet fear. So you're... Everything you breathe in and breathe out is love, and it's coming from there. And this, this is good, because everywhere you go, you can then kind of release it, because every time you breathe in, when you breathe out, it has to let it out. So there's an exhale valve somewhere on the suit that is releasing love everywhere you go. It's wonderful. The issue, though, that can happen to many of us is that we can get something that twists or pinches, or kinks our air hose. 
So you're this ambassador from Planet Love. You come all the way down here. You're a part of this. You're supposed to release this atmosphere of Planet Love that's going to drive out Planet Fear's atmosphere everywhere you go. And somehow an offense gets in your heart. And your air hose gets kinked. And now you're walking around with this offense. And the offense is causing you now to not operate, not to breathe from planet love anymore. But you still got to breathe. And so you begin to breathe in the fear. And with the offense comes the insecurity. It comes the uh, anxiety of, of not remembering who you really are and what you're really here to do and what you're really supposed to do with your life. And now you're competing with people in your mind and in your heart and all this stuff starts to stir up and you're afraid of, well, if that person does this, then what's going to happen? And if I do this and how are they going to see me? And all this offense builds to something and now you're breathing the same atmosphere. And what happens for many of us is we realize this suit isn't helping me. So we take the helmet off and we just put the big brass helmet down but we leave the big canvas thing on. So we're still walking around just with no big bronze helmet. And everybody looks and goes, aren't you one of those ambassadors from Planet Love? Right? I mean, you have the stuff on. You dress up on Sundays and you wake up early. Like, you, you, have, you look like one of those ambassadors from Planet Love, sort of. I think they know what they look like and who they vote for. But you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dick would give an amen. <laughs> so you know what they look like, but you're looking at it going, there's, so, there's something off here though, right? Because like, Jesus didn't say, they will know you by your great faith. I've, I've been hearing people talk about, you know, we're called believers. We need to be those who believe. Well, yes, we are called believers. But he didn't say people will know you by your great belief. They will know you by your love. Period. End of sentence. They will know you by your love. Nothing else is supposed to be the identifying mark that you're a believer other than your love. Why? Because you're sent not from planet belief, not from planet faith, not from planet anything other than love. The atmosphere of heaven is released through your life. You're a citizen of that world. You're an ambassador of that world to this world. And the mark of your life is love. So we can't allow ourselves to take the helmet off and walk around and look like we're an ambassador from planet love who is sucking in the air of planet fear. There are whole churches, ministries, denominations, huge New York Times bestseller Christians that have written books from the atmosphere of planet fear. Just think about it for a minute. There's a lot of it. And the planet fear, you can do it and walk around without your helmet on and look like a Christian, be a Christian, love the Lord in your heart, absolutely. I'm not denying someone's salvation. And yet you can still be sucking in the air of planet fear and breathing it out. We're all going down. It's getting darker. It's getting worse. It's getting evil. Don't you know how dark the days are? Blah, 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 blah. Someone is sucking in planet fear. You need to tell them to put their helmet back on because it's not working. There's something missing. 
And, and you, sometimes we, we think, ah, I just don't feel equipped to like debate all these things with people, you know, whether, you know, what about this and what about that, and to go back and forth and, you know, let's just recommend they go read one of Jonathan's books or something. Well, I get that. I get that. And some people want to get into a whole battle about, about things, but simply this concept is, hey, man, you're operating from fear. Love never fails. Love drives out fear. Love will win on this planet. We're sent here to represent and release love, and I think it won't fail. It will drive out fear. So yes, things might be dark. We're not saying denial. We're not saying ignore stuff. Whatever darkness you see is a place where light and where love needs to drive it out. But there's whole ministries that have been built on perpetrating fear and finding verses to back it up to try to make it okay to operate in fear it's not okay you don't see jesus ever operating in fear selah he had no insecurity he had no competition He let a prostitute cry all over his feet. The guy had complete confidence in walking in love, even when it confused or offended people. He didn't live under the suspicion of others. He didn't care. He's going to get up and say, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And then turns to his disciples, are you guys going to leave too? Uh, we don't know where to go. I mean, if we could find the words of life somewhere else, maybe, but they didn't have anywhere to go, so they stuck with him. He had this kind of intense, ferocious love that he walked in that would be extremely intimidating if you're breathing in atmosphere of planet fear. If you're living from this place, when you really start to see what he's like, it is overwhelming. And fear will run away from love because it gets driven out. Now, hopefully, the fear will leave and you'll still be standing there. See, we get confused sometimes because I think we think of Jesus like a nice guy. He's love, he didn't say he's nice. He's willing to be offensive. He's willing to confront. He's willing to call out things. He's willing to address issues. But it's love. I'm not saying love is always woo, fluffy and nice. Like let's not, let's not take the world's idea of love when we think about it. We're saying what real love is. And love will confront issues for the goal of connection, for the goal of relationship, for the goal of, of building and connecting. So it's when I say love, I just don't want a distorted idea of like, like, let's just love everybody. Well, yes, love everybody the way love really operates. And that's, that's what we see in Jesus is what love is really like. So the first thing that can happen, I'm going to give you your three-point message now. I don't think I've ever done that before. Um, Three-hour, yes. Three-point, no. Uh, <laughs> so 
So the first is offenses. Offenses can kink your air hose. They get in there, they twist it, they shut it off, they end up giving you a, a you know, this place where you're going to take your helmet off, you're going to walk around, look and act like everybody else, although your love is not flowing. Something got shut off. The second one is lies. And you can be down here and you start to buy into the lies of this environment and this culture. It may not be an offense that you've taken on in your heart, an unforgiveness issue. It may just simply be somebody keeps hammering you with this concept that gets into your heart and you go, yeah, he's right. Uh, This is what I'm supposed to be like. This is what this world is like. Things are hopeless. Things are dark. Kids, you know, kids are always bad in their teen years. Kids are always hard when they're two. Kids are always, and you buy into some garbage from this planet. Birth is always painful. Two-year-olds are always rebellious. Teenagers are horrible. You buy into some garbage from this planet, and then you then are breathing their air. And now you're not able to be an influence and an influencer. And you're sent here to be an influencer. But you can't influence a culture of fear and lies by believing the fear and lies. So when... See, the thing is, we have this... There's this false sense of holiness. This sounds like a sidetrack. It's not. There's a false sense of holiness that a lot of the church operates in. That they are buying out of the old covenant, the concept of... I am holy because of separation. You guys have heard this, right? The concept of, you know, well, there used to be lepers and that's spiritual for spiritual sin or whatever. And and there could be some truth to that. But the reality is Jesus didn't separate himself from lepers. He came in, touched them, and they were healed. That's a good picture. Because if in the old, you touch a leper, you get leprosy. You get contaminated. You get overwhelmed by touching them. If that represents spiritual sin or spiritual condition of of death, now Jesus comes in and says, no, we're in a new system where if you touch a leper, they get healed. You overwhelm them. You carry the spiritual antidote. And so the concept now of real holiness, if you want to understand holiness, is you're in Christ. You couldn't be more holy. Whether you threw your TV out the front window and smashed it on the lawn, or whether you, you know, what, whatever your picture of holiness is, doesn't matter how long your skirt is, you can't get more holy just by doing some nonsense. You can't get more holy by doing your stuff. You can't get more holy than being in Christ. Just let that sink in. You can't get more holy than being in Christ. If you, on day one, you're a new creation. Not, I hope someday to do enough stuff right so that I become a new creation in Christ. You're not trying to become a new creation. You are a new creation. You've been a new creation for a long time. Now you just want to live from what you really are. That's what you're doing now. Well, I'm a new creation, so... How do I live as a new creation? I already am a new creation. How do I live as a new creation? That's a different standpoint. 
So the concept that you're already in Christ, which already sets you apart, which already makes you holy, you're not trying to become those things. So we can't buy into, because even, even the non-believers of the world have a concept, whether it's even just karma, let's say. If you do good, more good will come into your life. You'll be a good person. Performance is not simply a Christian concept. Performance is in the heart of every person on this planet. If I do bad, I'm a bad person. If I do good, I'm a good person. And they live under that. We then Christianize it. If I, if I give this much this week, it makes me a good Christian. If I, get, if I go here, if I serve at the soup kitchen, if I whatever, fill in the blank, it makes me a good Christian. Did I read my Bible every day for half an hour? I'm a good Christian. Give me my gold sticker. You guys can laugh at that if you want, but it really didn't mean that to be so intense. But a little conviction? I don't know what's happening here. So, but we, you know, we've all experienced that at some point in our head. The performance stuff that exists in the atmosphere of this planet gets into us, and we Christianize it. And make ourselves good people and bad people. Good Christians and bad Christians. And we connect it that way. And that's not, that's not how he sees us. And that's not how this planet operates. That's not how planet love operates. It's not, oh, Johnny Christian down there just was a really good Christian this week. So let's pump some extra air through his air hose so he feels really loved. Oh, but he, you know, he was kind of stingy, and so let's pinch his air hose a little bit, just so he knows he better straighten up. That's not how that works. The third thing is this word intimidation. It's close to fear, but it's a little bit different. The concept of intimidation is a very specific type of fear, and it's the concept that we are on the defensive, that we are losing, that we are a small rebel force against the whole planet Death Star. We, <laughs> we think in these terms so often, and it, it's this intimidation that creeps into our heart that's like, you know, the church is always losing, and, you know, there's another law, and somebody's taking the Ten Commandments out of some court somewhere, and we're all, ah, we're constantly fighting. And it may not be your eschatology. It may just be your perspective of the world that we're this little thing. And although a lot of people claim to be Christians, there's really only a few of us. And this intimidation creeps in. And what that really is, it's not just a, a wrong understanding of the end times. It's also a wrong understanding of what Jesus did on the cross. Is he the victor or not? Is he king of the world? Is he king of kings? Is he lord of lords? Or does he hope one day to be? After this planet is won and given to the devil. Is he someday going to be king? Or is he king now? Our perspective of that determines how we're going to interact with this planet. Because are we coming in as, as a beaten down, uh, tired, little rebel force that's just trying to get a couple people to join us before this planet is completely destroyed? 
Or do we see that we're this invasion of ambassadors from planet love to drive fear out of the atmosphere of this whole planet until everybody is breathing planet love? See, the thing is, I'm not just talking about salvation here. We're talking about something larger. I'm not saying more important. I'm saying broader, larger. When I say more all-encompassing, because planet love, you can step into an atmosphere and walk in such a way that you release love and people may not get saved that moment, but they will breathe the air you're breathing. And they're going to get confused at times. They're going to think, what? why are you acting this way? This person is super generous, super nice, super flirty. They will get confused. You will confuse people because people on this planet are not used to planet love. They don't know what that atmosphere is like. They don't know where you're from. So you walk into the atmosphere and, and you release love. You're going to confuse people. Good. Do it. Confusion is memorable. Do it. Confuse people. Give them so much love they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to understand you. They're confused. They're overwhelmed. They're intimidated because the love will come in and they're going to start breathing your atmosphere. Your atmosphere is always stronger. If you're breathing from that atmosphere, it is always a stronger presence. It's always a stronger atmosphere. You don't always have to go straight in for the, for the sale. And that, I think, has been confusing for many of us because we think only in terms of evangelism, church growth, those types of things. And yet, here's the rich young ruler. What must I do? Uh, follow the commandments. I've done that since I was a kid. Okay. Go sell everything. Jesus wasn't as seeker-sensitive as many of us would make it out to be. If he had a church, it probably would look like Starbucks, but, but he just was much more. He, he knew what he was doing, and the seeker-sensitive concept, I, I, I think there's some elements of it that are great, but there's some other elements that it's, it's not always that. It's really the planet love concept, this atmosphere of planet love that we're releasing, and sometimes you're just going to release it. Sometimes you're going you're gonna to double the, the, the waiter's uh, you know, tip and you're going to just love on them and you're going to write a note on the back that says how much God loves them and that they're valuable and they're important people. And you're going to walk out and you may never talk to them again. But they're going to pick that up and go, whoa, what was that? <laughs> Something different right here. I'm feeling something come through this that that I don't feel normally right here. And you get to release an atmosphere everywhere you go. So, I think it, you know, we need to start among us. That we we look at our own selves and say, okay, have I allowed intimidation? Have I allowed fear of judgment, fear of man, fear of whatever, to turn my air hose off? Have I allowed some lies to creep into my heart? Have I allowed 
uh, some offenses to creep into my heart, something that, that has clicked off my air hose and caused me now to take my helmet off and breathe this atmosphere of fear. If, if that's the case, that's the first person I want to talk to, you can turn it back on in a moment. You can turn it off in a moment. You can turn it back on in a moment. This stuff, it goes back and forth. It's not a big uh, uh, ritual of how you turn it on, how you turn it off. A moment, an offense can come in, and your air hose clicks off. And you're like, fear, anger, unforgiveness, all that stuff comes in. But in a moment, you can also go, oh, I forgive, and I'm, I'm going to turn my air hose of love back on. It turns right back on. So let's not get overcomplicated in that. And we'll, we'll, take, we'll take a few minutes and, and ask the Holy Spirit where those areas are and turn that thing back on. But you, you can do that. It's super simple. Um, the second area is, is for those that your air hose is on, but maybe you felt a little intimidated because sometimes we operate in church culture which is like a third culture that tries to live somewhere between these two, with this much fear and this much love. Yeah, I'm kind of afraid of what people will think of me, so I'm going to temper this a little bit. But I also know that I'm supposed to be a Christian, I'm supposed to be a little Christ, and so I'm supposed to operate in love. But I'm also kind of afraid of this judgment, that judgment, this culture, that culture. And so then we submit to this kind of thing. And this weird middle ground is where a lot of church and Christianity lives. We don't want that. This, this, there is no middle ground because you, can, you can't have these coexisting. So you end up with a weird, toxic 50% love air and 50% fear air. And it's toxic to your system. And so we need to get back to understanding our identity, our calling. You are sent from planet love as an ambassador you will scare people. You will confuse people. You will overwhelm people. Get used to it. Do it, do it, do it. It doesn't matter. You are supposed to be from planet love to planet fear, and they will be afraid because they live on planet fear. It's what they do. It's everything they breathe. Don't be shocked when they're afraid because that's what they do. You are from planet love. You should not have anything holding back or hindering you from having this open, wide heart that just loves and embraces and values and overwhelms people with love, love. You're loved. You're really jacked up, but you're loved. I love you. You can have your problems. You can have your issues, but love can change them. If you want what I have, I can get you hooked up. We can get you a suit and a hose and the whole deal, but... I'm going to do this, and you don't have to keep doing what you're doing. So let's do this. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment with me? Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to begin to talk to people's hearts. And Lord, if we've turned off our air hose from an offense, from a lie, or from intimidation and the fear of man, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just bring light to that area in each heart right now. We're just going to listen, give you 15, 20 seconds to listen.
even as we repent of turning that air hose off right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would re-engage it. You put every helmet back on, connect every hose, and I ask for an atmosphere of planet love to re-engage every heart. I speak, I breathe over your people, planet love reinvigorating and restoring and bringing hearts back to life and recommissioning as ambassadors today. We just release planet love over you. Lord, I ask that you'd reawaken hearts to life right now. Hearts to love. And to carry that commission. Lord, I just speak over your people right now that we are ambassadors of heaven. That we represent you and your heart. Your heart is planet love. And as we represent your heart in this earth, I just commission your people to walk with no fear to walk with no intimidation, to walk with no concern, but to walk representing love in all of its perfect form. In Jesus' name.